Are you ready to scale your business in a way that's aligned with your soul and profitable? I'm Casey Rossi, a business and leadership coach. I've been a full-time entrepreneur for 30 years and love business. I help conscious leaders increase their impact and optimize their lives. Join me each week for tips and deep conversations on cultivating confidence, increasing your visibility, elevating your vibration, and leading with purpose without burning out. Let's go. My guest today is Kate Kordsmeyer. Kate was a full-time freelance journalist for over 125 magazines, newspapers, and websites, including USA Today, Eating Well, and Cooking Light. After having a few health challenges back in 2015, Kate embarked on a holistic wellness journey and then started blogging about it. That blog actually created a very profitable business for her, and she developed the Six Figure Blog Academy. So she helps women with actionable advice and inspirational content to help them turn their purpose into profits with an online business. I love the fact that Kate has a mindful eye on preserving our sanity keeping our spirituality intact, and having freedom without sacrificing our health and self-care. I know you're going to enjoy this episode. She gives some juicy details about evergreen funnels, which we have not talked about on the podcast yet. So sit back, get your pen and paper out, and get ready to have some nuggets of wisdom. Enjoy. Kate, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to dive in. I know we have a mutual love for soul-led entrepreneurialism and keeping a mindful eye on how we go about running business and that we're not burning ourselves to the ground in the process. So I think we're going to have a juicy conversation. Yes. Anytime I can talk about any of that is a good day. Yeah, absolutely. So let's dive right in. And I'd love to know how you help clients shift from approaching their work from a place of hustle to a place of grounded rest. Yes, my favorite thing. So often, I think especially um, a lot of my clients are moms, and I also am a, a mom of two two little ones. I've got two under two and a half, so it's a little bit crazy at my house these days. And it often feels like we have to choose one or the other. Um, and even if you're not a mom, I think sometimes it feels like we have to choose our life or, you know, our health, our relationships, our, our home and just what ourselves, or we can have this business. And I think that's because we're all brought up in this very masculine patriarchal model of hustle and conquer and win at all costs. And that's just not how I want to do business. It does not feel good to me, both physically, it's very exhausting. And then, you know, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, it's just, it doesn't feel good to my soul. And so I've tried to find a way where I can operate more from a place of rest and flow and ease and kind of in my feminine energy instead of that masculine hustle mentality. Um, and so there's a few key ways that I've done it, but one of my favorite ways is with evergreen funnels, because that means I can be making sales every day and never live launching again and never going through this crazy, you know, just 
the process of feeling like you always have to be on, you always have to be selling, you always have to be pitching and um, that you're living launch to launch. And that kind of gives you that paycheck to paycheck type feeling, which is why I think a lot of entrepreneurs want to leave corporate America. So that's one of my my biggest uh, ways of getting into that place of rest so that you actually have time for the mind, body, soul care that is so required to be an effective leader. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. And for one, like a a listener that could be maybe thinking that sounds good, but there's some resistance coming up. There's that FOMO there's that. Yeah. But that sounds really nice. However, does it really work? I mean, like, does it, you know, can I really let go of that hustle? Because to your point, I mean, I think that this has been such a long story and such a deep rooted paradigm that we almost feel like a rebel to break that old paradigm and shift and really give ourselves permission to quote unquote, have it all. Yes. Well, I think there's something that I've been talking a lot with some of my peers about, which is you can have it all, but you can't do it all. And so once you figure out, well, what are the things that only you can do? And then how can you automate, delegate, or basically just eliminate, get rid of the rest? Um, You know, I think that actually those those phrases come from Michael Hyatt's book. Um, but regardless, I think, yeah, there's only, there's only so many hours in a day. You're only one person. And in order to really be moving your business forward, if you're operating from this exhausted, burnt out state, you're not able to work at your you know highest potential and be as effective and productive and, um, and creative and, you know, I, I find when I'm stuck in the weeds on my business, it's like, even when I get the time, like the time might open up on my calendar for me to work on something that's more revenue generating and can, um, you know, move the business forward. It's like, I, I don't have the mental bandwidth to, yeah. to think about it because I'm so like, Oh, my head is just spinning in so many different directions. And so it's like, you need to create that white space so that you have the mental bandwidth to do it. So crucial. Absolutely. A hundred percent. How do you personally juggle all of the roles of being a mama, being an entrepreneur, a wife, a podcaster? Like what's one tip that you have or uh, something behind the scenes that could help our listeners just kind of understand how they can do it too? Well, I think, like I said before, it's a lot of automation and delegation. And so Evergreen funnels are a great way to automate things in your business and systematize things so that they're just happening in the background and I don't have to be, you know, in there working on it. It's just I had to work on it to set it up, but then it can just run. And you know, our evergreen funnels bring in over $50,000 a month and I'm not doing anything awesome. new on those. And so it definitely can work. Um, I've had six figure live launches and then felt completely depleted and spent at the end. And now I've been on evergreen and I'm like, oh, wow, I can actually make more money on evergreen and do it in a way that feels better for me in my life. But also I think serves my people better. Um, you know, there's less like aggressive and pushy sales tactics that have to happen. There's less like you have one chance this whole year to get in. And if you miss it, you miss it. And then people end up making a decision that maybe wasn't right for them. And so I think it kind of serves the greater good all the way around. I feel like there's more revenue, there's more people served, um, and it's, it feels better to everybody involved. So that's one example again of sort of the automation, but 
delegation, I think, especially when it comes to being a mom and a wife and, you know, having a house to maintain and all that is that I am outsourcing a lot and I am not doing it all myself. I don't do my laundry. I don't, you know, I have a house cleaner. I have full-time childcare. Um, and I think those are the things that, again, there's so much emotional labor that women have, um, of just like making sure, oh, oh, is this, you know, is the milk stocked in the fridge and what's for dinner tonight? And do we put the trash cans out and the birthday parties next week? And, you know, there's so many things we're constantly thinking about. Absolutely. Yeah. So the more of those things that I can kind of delegate to somebody else and say, okay, if I delegate these things, I'm able to be more present on the things that only I can do and, and be more present just with my kids. And when I'm not working, I can really be with them and not feel like I I have to do chores instead. I love that. And was that a gradual progression for you to come to that point where it's like, you know what, I'm going to stay in my sweet spot. And in order to be in my zone of genius, I absolutely need team. Did you have a hard time did you stair step it? Was it a cold turkey thing? Yeah, it was a definite stair step. And I always say like success and life and the universe, nothing is linear. It's not like I started at point A and I just went in this straight line to point B. I'm constantly struggling and figuring this out, you know, myself again, every new season, every new thing that happens, just when you think you've got it figured out, you know, a global pandemic hits and you're like, well, back to the drawing board. So it's a constant work in progress for sure. But I took the approach more so of small baby steps. And, you know, I started, um, my first hire in my business was just a part-time VA for, I mean, I want to say, this was maybe four or five years ago now, but like 10 hours a week or something small, you know, just like enough to make a difference, but it wasn't going to break the bank. And like a lot of um, things, like a lot of times when you start delegating and then you're like, oh my gosh, I have all this free time and mental space and energy. And like, this is so amazing. Then I, you know, not quickly, but I would say after about a year, I was like, okay, I'm ready for the next piece of help. And I got some home help during that time. And, um, and then I had a couple babies and, you know, things like that. So, um, now I, now I have, oh goodness, I have a lot of part-time people and contractors, but then I have two full-time employees right now. We're in the process of hiring a third and it's, it's always kind of like, um, a moving target of figuring out what you need in different seasons. Yeah. I think it's so important that, you know, people understand that it is a stair-step process because we can easily, you know, get behind the eight ball and self-sabotage when we're only looking at the highlight reel on Instagram or when we're really comparing our deep chapter, you know, like someone else's chapter 20 to uh, someone else's very beginning stage. And I think just respecting the journey, knowing that it's super unique and, just continuing to show up and do those micro, um, actions. So important. So, um, that's awesome. So I know that you have a very successful blog and I'm curious, um, about that process for you as a writer, the consistency of your scheduling that, um, is very interesting. So I would love it if you could share a little bit about the behind the scenes of your journey as a blogger. 
Yeah. So I have um, my personal brand business, Kate Kordsmeyer. That's where I have more of my courses and I do more of the business mentoring and um, coaching and my podcast. And then I also have a totally separate business called Root and Revel, which is a holistic wellness blog. It was my first foray into the online marketing world. Um, And I started that at the end of 2015. And so I started that as I was a journalist before, and I was just looking kind of for like a new outlet. And, um, I wanted, it was always a business decision. I always knew I wanted to make money from it, but, um, it was an experiment for sure. I had never done anything like that. And so it was like, well, let's see what happens. And, um, what I found is that blogging is such a powerful tool. And again, this is, I think, if you, when done correctly, um, you can really make it in, you can make it into this thing. That's like an organic lead generating, um, like attraction system. And you're not constantly having to go out and find new leads and do more lives and pay money for Facebook ads and spend all your time on social media. Um, I think you can get caught in the kind of content, um, hamster wheel, but that doesn't have to be the case. And so I've really prioritized SEO and making sure that when I'm creating a post, it's something people are actually searching for and that it's solving their problem. And then in that post, you know, it's giving them the next step, which is like join the email list and become more a part of my community where I can really nurture them and develop those relationships and then also let them know about the other things I have going on. So, so yeah. So I, I think blogging is cool because like Root and Revel I, is a very much a way that I monetize the platform itself. So I don't sell anything on Root and Revel. Um, we make around $200,000 a year just from ads, sponsors, and affiliate marketing, 75% of which our income is affiliate marketing. So that's our, our primary focus over there. Um, but now like with the personal brand, katecordsmeyer.com, we have a blog component as well. I'm not monetizing it quite the same way I did with more of a traditional blog, but I am using it as that sort of organic lead generation, um, where you just sort of have a steady stream of people finding you every single day and you don't have to go out and, and find them yourself. Yeah, that's beautiful. I want to underscore the um, point to have a call to action on your blog. I think that's often overlooked. So what do you want that reader's next step to be? So I think that that's a really big point that you um, mentioned, but then also the overall strategy. So they're not just taking so much of their time and energy, and that can also tank their confidence of just creating, 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 and then kind of just wondering. So I'm wondering how often you measure metrics. So you're aware of those details of the behind the scenes. Yeah. I'm a total data freak. So I look at metrics all the time. I love analyzing the data and kind of figuring out, you know, the missing puzzle piece and that kind of thing. So, um, but that is such a good point. And I think it's totally blogging now is so much more quality over quantity and making sure that I would rather somebody put out one post a month and make sure it's super optimized, both for search engines, for affiliate marketing, for getting people onto your email list, like 
focusing on those things and making this one really killer piece of content than posting once a day. Or, I mean, of course, nobody ever needs to be posting once a day. Normally I say like in an ideal world, I think once a week is a great cadence. Mm -hmm. Um, If you can't commit to once a week, just pick what you can commit to focus on that quality, providing as much value as possible and making everything as optimized as possible. And I think you will go so much further than just feeling like you have to just constantly be putting out new, 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 new. Yeah, absolutely. And do you outsource the SEO optimization? And if not, do you have a tip for people who are wanting to go the DIY route? If they're like, geez, I've never even thought about that. I write content, but I just hope for the best to make a good title. What else is there? What kind of tips? So much more. Yeah. (laughs) So much more goes into it. Yes. So I did, I DIY'd a lot of it. I've also hired, I've had, you know, in the past I've done like SEO audits where I just hire somebody to come in and audit my site and give me sort of a checklist of what I need to do. Nice. Um, We also work now with somebody who every month they're, they're managing a lot of the technical SEO on the back end of your site, things that you probably don't think about like site speed and image optimization and all of your tags and, you know, plugins and things like that. Um, so they help us with that. And then sometimes they'll do like keyword research for us. One of the big things we focused a lot on in the past year is, um, repurposing, maybe that's not quite the right word, repairing old content. Okay. So content that I wrote years ago and we're saying, or maybe even last year, it doesn't have to be that old. And we're going in and we're saying, how can we make this better? Whether it's just updating things to be more timely and relevant for the current, you know, year or season that we're in. Um, again, there's always SEO opportunity that we see. And so a lot of what I've learned is now what I teach in the six figure blog Academy, which is one of my courses and SEO is a huge, huge focus there. So I think you can absolutely outsource it. And obviously I'm a big fan of delegating. So if that's what feels best, um, but I think there's also a lot that you can do that once you kind of get your bearings. It's not that, um, it's not that complicated to do like the on-page SEO and getting the, um, the right keywords and the right mix of things in your post and really just making sure that it's, that you're findable. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. That's great advice. I'm curious of your thoughts and experience with, um, really just the general fact that people's attention span is shrinking by the minute. <laughs> and I'm very curious about your um, the platform that matches up to that. So I think in the past, and, and this could be a mindset thing, but I would love for you to bust it if it is, <laughs> um, where people see a bunch of copy and they're just like, wow, that's a lot of work. And if it's not, you know what I mean? Like easily digestible, they're going to go to another platform, whether it's TikTok, whether it's an Instagram story, something that's a bigger dopamine hit an instant gratification, um, a, even a YouTube video and stay on there two minutes. What, what are you seeing trend wise between the difference of long form blog posts where it's like old school, 500, 800 words or whatever, and all the things that you talked about versus the quick snippet bursts for the attention spans right now? Yeah. So I think it's a little bit of both, to be honest. I'm happy to bust the myth that like blogging is dead and people don't read blogs anymore. That's absolutely not true. There are still 
millions and millions of people out there reading blogs every day. I mean, 2020 showed us that more people were online than ever before. And a lot of bloggers traffic is up and there's, you know, there's, there's a lot of evidence that blogging is like better than it's ever been. Um, it's definitely more competitive. Um, and so to your point, not just with being competitive, but about, um, you know, really giving people that quick hit and the instant gratification. I think there's a lot of ways if you have a blog post and it's just all text. Yeah. People are probably going to bounce more frequently than if they were just watching like an Instagram story or, you know, real or whatever is hot today. Um, (laughs) I can't keep up with all of it. So I barely am on social media and I've never even open. I don't even have the TikTok app. So I don't, (laughs) I don't even know what's happening over there. Um, but you can break up that text in your blog post with images with like, um, there's a lot of code that you can use, not code, but like these, um, kind of snippets that you can put into your post so that it's like, for example, maybe you have a podcast, but it's, you're putting the show notes as a blog post, which is what I do so that our podcast is findable on Google. Um, so we'll put like a podcast player in the post or we'll break it up with, um, you know, like related, um, related episodes or related posts that you might want to, might be interesting. And so you're breaking it up and it's not look like just one big chunk of text that feels overwhelming for people to read. Yeah, that's great. That's super helpful. And I think that as the times are shifting and shifting pretty rapidly, and I think, you know, to your point after 2020, a lot of people were rethinking things. Um, we just have to stay on the cutting edge, be willing to think out of the box and maybe do something that's never been done before, but it's really creative and fits your style of business. So I like that a lot. I know you have a ton of experience in the writing world. You did freelance writing for over 125 magazines. That's super impressive, by the way. And so (laughs) after your decade in that industry, I'm wondering how you currently use writing for magazines or if you currently use it now as an addition to list building that you're doing with your other tactics that you mentioned? Yeah. What a good question. So I don't freelance at all anymore. I haven't since I think 2017 was maybe the last time I ever wrote a freelance piece. Um, but I will say that one of the reasons I feel like I was able to grow my blog and then my second business as quickly as I have is because of this journalism and kind of media PR background. And I would approach my blog even the way that most bloggers wouldn't even think about doing, which was like getting publicity for the blog. And so I would do that in ways like I know Buzzfeed rounds up recipes for different holidays that come up. So, okay, Mother's Day is this weekend. I'm going to pitch them and say, hey, if you're looking for Mother's Day recipes or Mother's Day gift ideas, like we've got posts that cover those kinds of things and you could feature us and here's my permission to use my photos and whatever. Nice. Um, so things like that. I mean, you could pitch yourself as a, as an expert, um, to be interviewed on a specific subject. So that's a little bit more like the Harrow style pitching. I don't know if you're familiar with that help a reporter out it stands for, and it's, um, a lot of times media professionals will go on there and they'll say, Hey, I need somebody who can speak to evergreen funnels. And you can go, Oh, me, me, I know that. And put yourself forward as an expert there. 
Um, That's an awesome tip. Awesome tip. So for our listeners, if you're not utilizing that, take out a pen and paper and, and yes, that that's a piece of gold right there. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was a unconventional approach. And a lot of bloggers are like, I'm not going to be featured in the media. I'm just a blogger, but there's so many ways that you actually can be featured. And when you do, you start, it's, it's such a win-win because you're getting obviously the publicity. It's like a, you know, a, a street cred boost. And you're saying like somebody else featured me, I must be, you know, worthwhile. I must be like, (laughs) I've got something to contribute. I'm valuable. Um, and then you're also getting a backlink most of the time. So because you're featured in an online publication somewhere, they're linking back to your website. That sends a good signal to Google that you're a trustworthy website. They'll start ranking you higher and search results. The more backlinks you have, And then you're also getting, you know, the new audience. So whoever is reading that post maybe wasn't following you before and is now able to come over and be introduced to your work. So it's such a win all the way around and it's free. Yeah. I I think it's just really smart. And I love that wise crafting of a strategy. And I I just want to say that for any listener that maybe isn't getting the traction, but they feel like they're putting in tons of effort, what I'm hearing from you is to take a breath, take a pause, and go with quality over quantity and really dig into the metrics. I know we have a lot of healers, a lot of people that are into holistic modalities that listen. And oftentimes with those caregivers, the linear masculine does tend to get neglected because we love the flow and we love all of like the good juicy self-care pieces and serving our clients and doing what we do best. However, to have that sustainable balance, what I'm hearing is you really need the other side as well. And I'm a fan of that, um, that philosophy and that way of doing business. But I think it's just really important because um, you have success. And I feel that so much of that came from structure, came from metrics, came from really giving and understanding what your clients needs. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a that's a big piece of this whole kind of puzzle to get the numbers and the traction that you're talking about. So I would love if you could share um, something that you wish you could have learned earlier in your business that would have propelled you further faster. Mm. Gosh, I should have prepped for this question. <laughs> I'm um, putting you on the spot, Kate. I know. <laughs> um. You know, I think one thing that I wish I would have learned is that just because it works for somebody else doesn't mean it needs to work for me. Um, I think I've seen myself and so many of my friends in this business see really successful, you know, like the big name gurus who do it a certain way. And we feel like, oh, I have to do it that way too. Or like it's working for them. So I better, you know, I better follow suit. Um, And I really just kind of, said kind of like, screw the status quo and let's figure out what actually feels best to me. Live launching does not feel good to me. I hate it. And so, yeah, Amy Porterfield and those women can have beautiful businesses that work really well for what they want. It's just not, you know, what I want. And so it doesn't work for my lifestyle. And so I figured out if I can sell with evergreen funnels, that is a much better fit for what I need in my life and what, you know, what feels important to me. So, um, it's not to knock what anybody else is doing. It's more so just to give yourself permission to like figure out what works best for you and kind of ignore what everyone else is doing. Absolutely. Amen to that. 
if you were going to predict something for our space, what would it be? Mm. Gosh, you're getting me predict something for our space. Um, well, I do think that content marketing is something that is misunderstood right now. And people still, I'm always trying to convince people like you should have a blog or a podcast or a YouTube channel, something that you own and that is providing free value to help get those organic leads to you. Um, and people are always like, Oh, I don't want to be an influencer. And I'm saying, no, 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 it's not, you don't have to be an influencer. You don't even have to monetize that way. You can just do the same thing that you're doing. This is just a way to build that no like, and trust factor to stop, you know, spending all your time on social media or all your money on paid ads to kind of diversify, um, both your revenue, your traffic sources, all those things. And, um, I think people are going to start realizing that like they need to, they can't just rely on being on Instagram all day to build a successful, sustainable business that can withstand the test of time and has that longevity and, and sustainability. Yeah, absolutely. I really love that. And I feel like this is a valuable conversation to give ourself permission to run our business the way that feels good to us and not to compare it to, like you said, the top gurus or people making X, Y, Z per month. And I, I feel that that is a trend that is rising, which is exciting. And it sounds yeah. like you're contributing to that rise. I was just listening to um, someone I follow on YouTube, Matt Devella, uh, yesterday, and he was talking a lot more about anxiety and mental health. And he's a massive um, content creator, has over 3 million followers. And He's like, you know what? It doesn't work for me to do content once a week. And he did it for years. And he's just like, mm -hmm. I'm changing my schedule because, you know, same, same as you and I wants that work-life balance, that flow, that ease and what makes sense. So I love that. And I, I love that we're seeing that more and more. And um, thank you for your work in bringing this into the light, into the forefront. It's such a valuable conversation um, for people to to feel worthy without having to check all the boxes of what's considered normal. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I think comparisonitis is so easy in this industry and especially because there's myself included a lot of coaches out there who are talking about, I made X doing Y and you can too. And I think it can be really inspirational and it can be super helpful and supportive, but it can also give us that like, either, oh, I, I have to do it this way because that's what they're doing, or it makes it all about the money and never about like the feeling. How does it actually feel to you to do that? And trying to bring that back. I mean, somebody, I, I am somebody who has struggled for many years with anxiety and depression and panic attacks. And that's part of, again, why like I needed to figure out what worked best for me. And the live launch model was so taxing on my central nervous system. I just felt like it was a lot of ups and downs all the time and feast or famine and like lots of high energy and then nothing. And I just, it didn't, it didn't feel good to me. So if it feels good to you and you're energized by that and you feel in the flow doing that, by all means, like go for it. You do you. I think it's just us all figuring out there's more than one way to eat an ice cream cone. Yeah, absolutely. And, and just stepping into your confidence and your, your inner soul and just knowing that, you know, if you're behind it, 
it's going to work. So mm-hmm. that's the thing. We have unlimited options and we have the autonomy and agency to run with it. So right. it's exciting. And you it's can really find, exciting. if you look for it, you can find people making crazy good money at doing all different kinds of strategies. You know, there's, it's not like there is just this one way to do it. So I think if you start looking, you know, there's that, I'm totally going to butcher what the name of it is, but sort of like the opposite of confirmation bias. Like we're trying to look for things to prove, but like, look for the thing you want. If what you want is to be able to do business this way, go look for evidence of that because it is out there. Yeah. That's such a great point. So, um, if we have listeners that want to learn more about you, more about evergreen funnels or how to write like a boss, um, how can they learn more? Yeah. Thank you. So I have a podcast called success with soul. So you can go listen to that, um, where you're listening to this episode right now. Um, and then I also have a program called the success with soul incubator, and it's kind of an extension of that. And we have a six part framework, some of which includes content marketing, some is evergreen funnels. And a lot of it is soul and wellness and spirituality and kind of bringing it all together. Cause I really feel like you can't have one without the other. Um, so that is, um, what I'm working on these days and you can check that out at kate slash apply. Oh, that's awesome. I will make sure to put the links in the show notes for sure. And it's been a total pleasure. I would love it. If you wanted to leave some bright light wisdom before we wrap up, what would you like to share with our listeners today? Oh gosh, just you are enough exactly as you are. I think it's so easy again, going back to the comparisonitis to feel like less than, or we're not as good as so-and-so comparing our beginnings or middles to somebody else's way down the line. And I'm constantly telling myself that, and I hope everybody else hears it too. Yeah. Such a valuable message. Absolutely. Thank you so very much. It was a pleasure to connect with you, Kate. You too, Casey. Thanks. This was fun. Until next time, breathe joy. I hope you enjoyed today's episode on women developing brilliance. If so, head on over to Apple iTunes and subscribe to this podcast. And I'd be grateful if you could leave a review or rating so more people can benefit from these inspirational stories about the solopreneur journey. Thank you.